says about you. Did you really think SGA was left-handed? I mean, I probably was here for Wait, it. wait, Jay, what are you talking about? I'm sorry. Jay, he's back. He says, he took a couple days break. He's not trying to be a message board asshole. Um, but just ever since Dave said SGA was left-handed, he's a little bit concerned about this strain you're smoking. <laughs> and maybe you have memory eraser. Just right. trying to recognize. Let me explain. Cycle through a few strains. Let me explain this. All right, guys. What's um, up, dude? I, I want to say the very beginning of us doing um, the podcast. All right. Let's just be honest. This, with is, the, this is a long answer for about SGA's left-handedness. Yeah, you know, but the very beginning of Mark and I doing our podcast. All right, man. Uh, I'm watching games and I'm watching SGA always go to his left. Do you remember this, Mark? I do remember this. And I remember being like, and I say it the first time, but like, anyways, I just watched him go to his left all the time. And I was just like, man, he's such such a strong left hand. He's almost like he's ambidextrous or left-handed. And when I said that, like, I, I get it, right? And Mark, you're like, he's not left-handed. And I was like, what? He's not left-handed. I, okay. I understand what Jay is saying, all right? But Jay... It seems like sometimes mm. you don't understand the humor in some of the things that I'm saying. Just be nice to Jay. Jay's <laughs> nice. I like Jay. My humor, man. Think Jay, about it. Think about his humor, bro. <sighs> no, I'm, I'm saying I'm I saying feel like we I need to just smoke a Jay with Jay. I I like I like what he's saying, especially the fact that I'm I'm getting high. I, I appreciate that, Jay. Uh, but let's just let's just be honest at this moment, like. I do kind of remember you saying SJ was left-handed more than one time, though. It happens. No. I, okay. All right. I said Sombra, multiple what's up, buddy? times. I want to throw this out here. Dave, Thank you, brother. Call him when you I get want to throw this out here, man, right here. All right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've said so many times that he goes left-handed so hard, more than mm-hmm. he goes right-handed. He goes mm-hmm. to the hole left-handed more than he goes right-handed. Why? It's because he starts on that right-handed side, right? And he goes with his left hand to the middle. Right. All right. It's 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 almost dominant left hand. All right. And and I get it. I understand that I've probably slipped up a few times calling him left-handed. But dude, he's always been right-handed. We know that, man. I'm not an I'm not an idiot. <laughs> You're not an idiot, but it is funny. It's, a, it is it's funny. like this. It's like this. I like I, having you names, bro. Names I mess up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and I can't help it, man. I like I just can't help it. Like Corliss Williamson's and 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 who Derek Coleman. I know that there's a difference between those guys, but for whatever reason, it came out that way. Like there's just no like there's sometimes that I'm sitting there. I'm like, what what did I say? Did I say that right? <laughs> Obviously, I know that Shay's right-handed. Maybe I played it up a little bit too much, but hey, um, I know he's right-handed. Jay, shout out to Jay <laughs> for start. We can start a whole show just talking about you, Dave. Hey, let's get that pollen and call in info posted how about that yes dude let's do it let's do it let's do we it appreciate you alsombra um and everybody out there who's listening if you're listening later the podcast we love to do call-ins um we're all about sharing the mic sharing the time let's talk about the thunder let's talk about our favorite thing and just kind of kick it um we've been recording a little bit earlier i got into a new place so life has been kind of a little bit different um and so we're we're just kind of figuring out the new schedule. We're recording what, like it's eight AM right now, um, in Texas. That's where I'm at. And what, nine for you, Dave, in Maryland? Mm-hmm. Yep. So good um, times, man. Definitely good times. Uh, let's talk a little bit about something I sent you. Um, let's see. Yesterday I kind of mentioned it at the end of the show. 
Uh, before we go any further, is is Kaysen a right-handed or left-handed? <laughs> I'm, don't make me Let's question. Go, man. <laughs> All right, so I mentioned I was comparing Kaysen to Russ. Um, yeah. And so I went through and grabbed the numbers. Kaysen's freshman year compared to Russ's sophomore year at UCLA. Okay. Um, and the reason I did that is because his freshman year, he only played like nine minutes a game. So just yeah, wasn't of- enough data there. Yeah. So Russ's freshman year, I mean, sophomore year, 33 minutes, 10 field goal attempts, and 46% shooting. Case in 32 minutes, 9.8 field goal attempts, 54% shooting. All right, then the counting stats. For Russ, it was 3.9 rebounds, 4.3 assists, and 12.7 points. Kaysen, 3.7, 4.3, and 11.7. So one point less per game, but he shoots better percentage. Um, Steals, okay? Russ, 1.6, Kaysen, 2.0. And blocks, 0.2 for Russ and 0.5 for Kaysen. So there's definitely some comparisons here well i, I want to throw this out here i'm sorry man there's no comparison in this is because russ had a set our first season is um his his freshman season yes only nine minutes a game but it taught him the speed of college hoops Kaysen didn't have that so his first year was learning on the fly and yet he put up these type of numbers learning on the fly that's, I mean, that's deadly. I mean, if you put Kaysen back in a second year, I mean, he's going to like dwarf the numbers he just had. Yeah, absolutely. It could get really, really wild. Um, so here's my question about Kaysen. Sure. Okay. Um, obviously, Russ was one of the slower developing players that we've ever seen. And the fact that he was really unrecruited going into um, his senior year, I think. And then really at the last minute, UCLA offered him a scholarship and he goes on to be an MVP. Like the odds of that happening are just, you know, ridiculous, right? Sure. I guess it does happen occasionally with like Jokic and you see a player like Giannis, um, like these guys who are like under, um, valued and people don't really understand what they could be at their peak, but for what Russ did, you can't really compare it to Kaysen because for Kaysen to go to Kentucky, he was already one of the top recruited players in the country. Yeah, um, People understood he was one of the best players in the world at a much younger age than Russ. So the trajectory is entirely different. And like that's not something that we can we can judge anything based on. But like you're saying, at this point, Kaysen is a better player at that age. Or at least as a freshman. You know, Russ yeah. doesn't even compare. Now, Russ was playing with Kevin Love um, and Drew Holiday. And they were going to the Final Four. And sure. like... So, and I get it, like Kentucky opens up the deck for, for um, freshmen every year. But long term, like, I mean, is there any chance that we see, um, you know, from Kaysen, the type of athletic uh, advancements that we've seen take place with some of the other players for the Thunder? Like, you, you kind of think you know what they are athletically, and then they come in and they kind of push it to another level. I mean, does he, or is he kind of like going to be more of a Drew Holiday athlete where, you know, you kind of know what you get, and it's just not going to be like dunking on people. Man, um, I'm glad we're bringing this up. I'm glad we're talking about Kaysen because sometimes I don't feel like he gets a very good rep um, by the some of the other podcasters out there, um, un- not understanding his game, um, truly in understanding what he can do. Um, last night after you sent me this, or yesterday after you sent me this, I went down and I kind of sat down and, and, and put on paper 
You know, like is Russ um slow de- is Russ's slow development was that due to everybody focusing on KD? Right? And I have to say, yeah. Russ by himself would have developed way quicker into the player he was, you know, five years into his career. Okay. So I look at that as the first part. Second part, can Kaysen find a way to slip in here and tear shit up at a very high level his rookie or even sophomore year, second year? Can he do that? And the, the, now the answer is not just yes. It's, it's a hell yes, he can. He understands what it takes to be a special player and what it takes to be the number one player. When we had saw him at his best, and I said this before, and I'll say it again, when we saw him at his best was when we had everybody out there around him. Chet, J-Dub. I mean, he was in the flow of the game. I think J-Dub. I don't know if he played with J-Dub or not that time. But my point is, is that I, I, I can't help but say when a player stands out to me when the team's better versus when a player stands out when the team sucks. I mean, that's what I want to see. I want to see a player that knows how to play within the system, that knows how to take advantage of the, the issues that uh, the other team's having. Because to me, the system that we run, run is simple but complicated. If you don't find a way in, you're not going to find a way out. And that's as simple as that. Like, Kaysen has his eyes on a starting position, just like any rookie does coming into the season. He wants to start. Well, the only way through that is, A, Dort doesn't have a good enough season, is having a questionable season, and coaches are like, well, let's just go ahead and give Kaysen the nod here, right? Because he's developing, he's showing that he can he can put out 14 points a game. I mean, if we're talking about Kaysen 14 points a game or Dort 14 points a game, guess what? Rookies are going to be able to be say, hey, if he's doing it 14 at this rookie year, then next year, in theory, he should be at 18. And by his third year, he should be someplace in the 20, 22 point, um, points per game. Well, Dort's at year five, you know? So for us, let's go with Kaysen. And, and that's, listen, that's inevitable. Kaysen will take over Dort's position at, at some point in his career. It might not be right away. It might not be because, you know, injuries or whatever, but at some point, Kaysen is going to prove that he's not just more of an effective player, but the way that he can finish, the way that he can shoot, the way that he plays defense. You know, it's the combo of everything. And if Dort doesn't learn how to get out of that 14, 16, 17 points a game, Kaysen's just going to blow him up, man. I mean, he's that good. And, and, and when you look at him and you break his game down, the fact that you're comparing him to Russ, you know, kind of shows you where, where his development can lead to. But I'm not rushing that development. What's up, Eclipse? So when you take it, when you break it down, um, when you break it down, you look at like Dort, Kenny. Yeah. Um, Kaysen. Like those three guys can really bring it on defense. And I think sure. you throw in a guy like um, Jay Will and then Chet, like you have like some really, really intense on the ball defense and you've got some great basket and help defense and you're going to yep. have a lot of great rotations. Throwing a guy like um, J-Dub, who can also play passing lanes and is just really, really good at on-ball defense and taking the ball away from people. Um, I think we have an interesting lineup that doesn't include really our best. Um, what's up, Unk? What's up, Unk? Um, How are you, man? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. I, I agree, man. I think, I think Kaysen is, is a phenomenal athlete that is just needs time to develop his game. For sure, man. Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> I like that. I like, I like that, that man. Sure. Get that bandana, bro. <laughs> I'll go grab that one. Appreciate it, Unc. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Unc, who's your favorite player, man? Sure. Yeah. Good. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I agree. I, I love to see. I love to see how these guys are, are playing together. Um, and of course, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Poku. His defense is spectacular, and and the fact is, as long as we get to see him play out there, the better it, it is for him, and the better it is for us. So, um, great experience to be able to have and watch Poku. So. Definitely like that. Yep. Mm -mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Hey, man. Welcome. Up, this is Unc. El Sombra. This is Unc. So you guys know, I know you guys talk to each other on the uh, the chat. So welcome, man. Nice to meet you. What's hey, up, Unc. Brothers? And when you, you jump off, go ahead and make sure you stay on just for a little bit in that whole um, up the whole thing uploads. Last time we had a little issue and it only got like partially uploaded. So um, for both of you, that's really good. Solid, solid. I'm gonna let Unc finish though if he's finishing up. All right, Unc. We'll see you soon, buddy. All, All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Man, All it's right. nice to meet you, Alessandro, for sure. Hey, what's up, brothers? How y'all doing? Good morning. Good morning, to you man. Looks good, like a nice good, day good. out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm in St. Louis right now, man. It's not too bad up here. It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. Nice. But look, look, guys, I wanted to talk about two things that y'all brought up yesterday. All right, let's All do, right, it. So do it. Two things that y'all brought up yesterday. So number one was um, the idea of Chet's already, like his capacity versus his ceiling. What is it that he can bring to the team in the league starting October? 
Mm-hmm. And you guys, uh, you guys brought up some really good points as far as you know whether or not he would already be a top five or top three center in the West. And sure. the truth is, man, like it really, I don't think it's that deep. I don't even think it's that hard to even answer that question because I don't know if I mean I'm sure you guys have already uh, caught on, but. The question that everybody asks when it comes to Chet isn't whether or not he can hang or bang with most centers in the league. Mm-hmm. It's about whether or not he can guard Jokic and Embiid. Mm. Yeah. And those yeah. are the two names that keep coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Jokic and Embiid. No one ever asked, can he guard um, um, Bam? <laughs> can he guard Aiden? Can he yep. guard anyone else in between? Anthony Davis, those are never the questions that are asked. The question's nope. always, can he guard Nikolai or can he guard Embiid? That's it, right? Two so MVPs. It, it, right, exactly. The two MVPs, which, again, one of those guys, he already guarded before. And apparently, according to Patrick Beverly and Victor Oladipo, he held his own. He yeah. held his own. Yeah. Yep. He held yep. his own against, uh, uh, against Joel. So... Whether or not Chet will be a, a top five center in the West, I almost feel like it ain't even that complicated, man. Yeah, and I think that's the scary thing that a lot of pundits outside of y'all and the Thunder and other teams and, you know, um, maybe casuals around the league, I think that's a, the hard time that they're having to come to acceptance with is they already know Chet's going to be fucking good, man. Yeah. You're they right. already know my dude's about to probably win rookie of the year for real. They already know by year three, he's probably going to be an all-star Yeah, for real. Yeah, I know. Hey, listen, man, when you got Houston rocket fans and Dallas Maverick fans and golden state warrior fans, and even old supersonics fans being like, man, Chet's pretty cold. That that's it. That's yeah, it. That's it. The conversation's over, bro. You know You're what right. I'm saying? So, I mean, I wanted to say, like, you know, you guys were pretty on point about, you know, who is actually better than him in the West or who is he actually as good as? The truth is, like, probably in those first 60, 90 days, he's probably going to have a hard time. Maybe some some rotational centers out in the West uh, or in the league in general are probably going to give him a little bit of a hard time. And there's going to be a couple games where he has a couple duds. And people are going to sure. be like, oh, he's a fraud, he's a fraud, he's a fraud. <laughs> but we all know that's the part of the learning curve, man. That's yeah. part of the learning yeah. curve. And also, this is the same organization that turned Steven Adams into a double-double machine. I know. I know. And that's that's the Perkins that's the Perkins love, man. Right. You know, like Kendrick Perkins taught the system that is still being taught in this the Oklahoma City Thunder system. You know, like he's the, he was the, the birth child of that. You know, like they were like, hey, physical play. And it's never left the system. It's never left right. the organization. And you see it with Coach Dave Bliss. You know, he's a fantastic uh, big man coach out there. Um, and again, to me, like, it just it correlates to everything that that is happening is that there's no way a player of Chet's caliber can come into the system that we have built that brings out people like Shea and J-Dub and Russ and KD. There's no way that Chet's not coming in here and going to be a, a perennial all-star. There's just no way. Uh- Absolutely. And the crazy thing is we don't even need the man to be an all-star either. That's mm-hmm. that's that that just goes to show how well built this team is, is we don't even need him to be an all-star. He's probably going to be an all-star. He's probably going to be a perennial all-star at his peak, but yep. we don't even need him to be an all-star is the wild mm-hmm. thing. 
So crazy, man. Yesterday, somebody compared him, or they said we've kind of forgot about um, Sabonis in the Hmm. in our assessment. Um, That might have been you. Somebody else might have mentioned it. I forget who. Sabonis is power forward through and through. He plays center position sometimes, but really, he's a power forward. They don't like to play him that center position a lot. And again, that's one of those things. Like, of course, Anthony Davis and Sabonis and Aiden are probably going to be better than Chet year one. Sure. Probably. Right. But I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna lapse Sabonis and Aiden and some of these other guys, probably not Anthony Davis right away, but he's, he's gonna lapse them by year two, year three, year four, definitely by year four, year five, once he starts reaching that, you know, season status. But that, that those are, those are comparisons that might be solid for like a year, maybe two, you know? So Uh. second thing was, um, you know, you you guys. The whole point of the video yesterday was, uh, can they make fifty plus? Uh, can uh, we win fifty plus games? Uh, and Dave, you brought up a really great point of like sometimes you don't need like a heartfelt loss or a tra- like a tragic, heartbreaking loss to really learn. And I know that people eat that type of shit up all the time. Like you need to lose in a game seven of a semi conference finals and this and that. But, hey, listen, man, as much as I hate to give them credit, there's already a team that's done that in the last 10 years where <laughs> they didn't have a heartbreaking loss, but they won an ch- NBA championship a year later. And honestly, I hate to say it, but it was the Golden State Warriors. You're right. I think people forget that way back in 2013, the Golden State Warriors had just missed the playoffs. And they, you know, they had a young core. They had Clay Thompson and Stephen Curry, and they were trying to get shit built up. And then in 2014, they made it to this to the uh, second round of the playoffs. I think people forget that. Mark, I think it was Mark Jackson's last year coaching them, and then Steve Kerr came in uh, to coach them in 2015, won the yep. NBA championship that same year. So, and that wasn't at that time. A lot of people were considering the Dubs as overachieving, as accomplishing more than what their team was good enough to do, right? But they yep. were a young team. They'll probably be back, you know, their cap, they're stealing next season. The season after that is probably a conference, uh, a, you know, a second round or maybe even a conference finals. And then they came all the way back the very next year to win the NBA championship. And You're this right. is pre-KD, pre-controversy. Um, and sure, maybe the Cavs had some in- injuries that during that finals, but, you know, the Dubs have already showed exactly what you were talking about, Dave, as far as you don't always need to have some heartbreak loss in the playoffs to come back and learn to grow. Uh, you know, if if 2014 for them was overachieving, then what do you call 2015? Because they won that chip without KD. They won that chip as, you know, I know a lot of people want to discredit the 2017 and 2018 NBA championships, and I kind of do, right, because of the KD betrayal. Yep. But – is. You can't take much away from that 2015 no, you're right. title, you know. You really Except, can't. They 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 earned that. Oh, absolutely. Except so. I didn't feel like we we were helping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Maybe they wouldn't win if we were if we were full strength. But I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I won't go back and like take anything away. Some people at that time were saying it was one of the easiest roads to a championship in history. Things like that. They did try to take stuff away, but I don't. I don't think there is ever an easy road. It, it's easy to look back and say, like, oh, hindsight says, oh, that was simple. But, like, like it's a survival of the fittest in the playoffs every single year. So you got to respect what a young team can do. And I do see, like, a pathway for us to build on, like, previous 
um, difficulties from like, you know, Shea game seven with the Clippers against the Warriors. Um, Shea, you know, game seven against the Rockets with the Thunder. These things build up, you know, and then that one game lost to, to Minnesota where Shea literally proved he was willing to run through a brick wall and get back out there all beat up and keep playing. Like that's the type of leadership that if you get up in a seven game series and the guys are like, we're going to finish this fucker right now. You trust them, you know, you follow them. Man. All right. All right. For you question is, is um, above or below 18 points a game for Chet. It would be low year one. Probably would be low year one, and that's right. because we don't need him to be scoring eighteen point, eighteen plus points a game. All right. For so real. you think? What I, do you think? Fourteen, fifteen, someplace like that? I think. I think if brother can come out there and average fourteen and eight every game, that's already a huge impact for this team. For real. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I mean, Coach D, it's all about systems too, man. We don't. We right. don't need him to go out there and be the game changer in terms of points on the board. That's that's SGA. That's Shea. Right. Well, I, I, the only reason I think that he could average more points is because of his offensive rebounding ability. Because the offensive rebounding ability that he brings is something that's really spectacular in that aspect of he could pick up six points a game from it. Oh, easy. And if he's yeah. doing six points a game for that, that means that he's creating for himself. So he's not taking away shots from Shea or Dort or anybody else like that or J Dub. He's creating his own shots out there. And for that, Man, you know, in the alley-oops he's going to bring, you know, with with uh, Giddy going down the lane and throwing him alley-oops, like, I just, I see those happening, you know, frequently. So, again, I, I think 14, 15 points a game is is admirable for him. And if you look at our rookies that do well, you know, Shea, 14, J-Dub, 14, you know, like, to me, that's, that's a really good starting point for a rookie. You know, you definitely mentioned a name that I think a lot of people just ain't talking about enough, man, and sleeping on too much. And that's definitely Josh Giddy, man. Mm, I know. I mean, my my dude averaged a damn near triple double last season, man, as a sophomore. Yeah. As a 19 year old, am I, I right? As a as a 19 year old, so I know all eyes are on J Dub, all eyes are on Che, all eyes are on Chet. Help! Even more eyes are probably on Kassan Wallace right now than they are on Giddy, but my dude averaged a damn near triple double in year two. Hey, listen, if he wasn't Josh Giddy, a white Australian dude playing on the Oklahoma City Thunder, <laughs> right? With those numbers he averaged last season, he would have been an all star. If yeah. he was playing in the Knicks or the Celtics or the Heat or the Lakers or the Clippers or any of these more like bigger market teams or anything yep. like that, yep. my dude would have been an all star, man, with those numbers. But if you think about some of these other guys who have been casted as all stars, man, who have been selected as all stars, you can go back, I've, and I've done it, man. You can go back for the last several years. There's a lot of guys who are who have been selected to All Star selections who did not average as good of numbers as Giddy did last season. That's right, man. That's right. He put up All Star numbers last year, man. That's you know? right, dude. And he slept on, bro. He is probably like the fifth or sixth guy mentioned when it comes to this team. What? You guys don't what? do that. Y'all talk about him a lot, but other it's, other pundits yeah. definitely don't. I look at guys like Josh Giddy or Rondo. As being the guys that you can't win, you cannot not win a championship without a guy like that. You know, you need a guy that facilitates yeah. everything, that plays defense, that understands where he can play at, and 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 it's not about scoring. He's going to score when he gets the ball in his hands, going downhill. 
but it's if he sees an alley-oop, he's going to throw the alley-oop instead. And I think that's the unselfish play is is having a floor general like Josh Giddy and allowing guys like J-Dub and, and Shea to do their thing and now Chet to do their thing. You know, like, that's where this is all going to be next level. And I think understanding the four-guard sets that we're going to be putting out there, it's, it's going to be disgusting. You know, like, uh, teams are going to be looking at us and be like, okay, the power forward's going to guard, what, Josh Giddy, J-Dub? Right. You know, like, who how, who's going to guard them? Like, we're just going to run around them. Like, this is going to look like I, – I, I, the only thing I can think about is when I was in high school, we saw this this team that had, like, a couple seven-footers, right? They had a couple seven-footers. They had a six-foot-ten guy, and they, they were just a big team, right? And they played against this team that was really quick and fast. And the other team fast-breaked everything. And it was – they took them out of the game. Out of the game. Like, like literally because literally every because single time that they went up against a, a team that could go that fast and that quick and they didn't it doesn't matter if you have three seven footers it just doesn't you know like you become incapable of guarding a team that goes that quick and that small and i think that's what the thunder are looking at is that you know we could go big we can go the average size of six nine and above you know and then we can go small and both ways we have phenomenal ball handlers on there we could go chet as the point guard you know like again the way that we can go, it's I, I I call it the seventy-five different matchups that we can bring hey, yeah. at any given in any given time and any game. Who else can do that in the league? Yeah, and when you mentioned like Giddy scoring, like as the season went on last year, and as like we got to elimination games, his scoring picked up. Like he he says, you're gonna have to stop the ball, and if you don't stop the ball, I'm gonna get to the hoop, I'm gonna finish, I'm gonna shoot some runners, um, and then he gets going and he starts knocking down threes, but. For him, if they if they emphasize stopping the ball with him, yeah, he'd prefer to pass it. Like he's kind of a reluctant scorer, but you get into big game situations and you're like, this is a make or break situation. He's gonna put the motherfucking ball in the hole. He understands the, the moment. And what's what's and what's even scarier, man, that a lot of people also are overlooking, you kind of just mentioned it too, is that Giddy is as good right now of finishing at the rim as J Dub is. Hmm. Hmm. You know, he he really is. So my dude can score. My my dude can score within that eight foot range at will when he wants to. Hmm. When he wants to. With this size, his wingspan, his finesse with the ball, is cause and a lot of a lot of defenders right now aren't really reading him as a scorer because he don't play like that. But whenever he has had to get to the rim. He's he's probably the second or third most unstoppable guy I get into the rim for real on this team. It's, he just doesn't play like that. He just doesn't play like that. He waits until he has the matchup. It's that small Absolutely. forward or power forward that's guarding him that he just goes around him and then he gets him in foul trouble. Like I think that's what's so powerful about his game is that he's so patient about when he attacks. Because for me, it's like I, I look at him like a tiger of sorts. You know how like a tiger stalks stalks his prey and waits until the prey is worn down and tired. And then attacks, 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 right? That's what Josh does. He just goes all game and just wears out the players. And then the third quarter, he goes off. In the fourth quarter, he goes off. And it's like, where did that come from? How did he score eight straight points like that? How did he get four steals in that quarter? How did he do this? How did he do this? It's because he has pretty much baited his, you know, his uh, uh, play toy, essentially, for a while you know he's like hey hey here you go here's this here's this and then all of a sudden bam he shuts that shit off and it's it's powerful because the iq level that that takes for a 19 year old think about that for a 19 year old is insane 
Like, and, and that's why when we're looking at it and we're looking back at this team and we're saying, what are the major pieces that we need to keep together? You cannot start that conversation without adding Josh Giddy number one. Because Josh Giddy is that piece that you need to make a championship caliber team. He is that piece. And I and this is probably my hot take, but you know, you already brought up Rondo, man. But we don't win fifty plus games if Josh Giddy's the one who takes a step back. You're right. If Absolutely. SGA if if SGA takes a little bit of a step back, if J Dub just kind of has a more of a repeat season and doesn't really grow on what he's put up, if Chet comes in and he only averages like maybe 14 and six or 14 and eight on, you know, maybe 61, 62% shooting, which is pretty decent, you know, league average for centers. But, you know, maybe he doesn't come in as as this immediate game changer because it's his rookie season. But I'll tell you what, you know, if Giddy takes a step back at all, or if he's the one that gets hurt for 20 plus games, we don't win 50 plus games. Mm-hmm. Giddy is that guy. He is the glue piece for this team. And again, everyone looks at SGA, J Dub, Kassan, Chet, Door, even before they look at Giddy, but we're not winning 45 plus games if Giddy has a step back at all. That's how important he is to the team. He is to this team, like you were saying, what Rondo was for the Celtics, for sure. For yeah. sure. And at times, even especially back in 2010 uh, and portions of 2009 and 2008, Rondo was the best player on the court any given night for the Celtics, even yep. as that young player as he was back then, especially in the 2010 run. They needed that because the ball, if it gets stuck on one side, which will happen with great scores because they're so great, they're just like, oh, I can take this guy. And then the defense shifts. You know, it's got to go from side to side. And Coach Dagnall's always preaching it. Um, I, I see SGA, you know, he's implementing that, but in the end, he's so great offensively that it really doesn't make a ton of sense for him to give up the ball. So oh, yeah. you got to have somebody getting that ball to the other side, make the defense shift and we can attack closeouts. And it's got to be like their primary thing until like Dave, you said, you, you realize that the team is kind of, you know, cheating a little bit. They're taking shortcuts. You can put your head down and get to the basket and you can use your size to finish through contact. And that's, that's giddy is, it kind of reminds me, and this is just one play, but like Michael Jordan, whenever he challenged, he took the ball away from Carl Malone in the post game, uh, game Caleb. six against Utah. So he pokes it out and they get out and run the other way. And, you know, that's the game. I feel like in the end, you got to like recognize your, your opponent's weaknesses that what they do on repeat and then exploit them. And that's that's giddy all game. What's up, Caleb? All right, brothers, guys, y'all man. take care, man. All right, buddy, All right, I'll man. see you later. Nice, nice talking to you, man. Appreciate it. And hey, I want to say when you exit out and end, end the conversation and wait until it's uploaded to hang up. So Very take good. you and back to the lobby. If you have some trouble, I, I put the link there in the um, in the chat. But Caleb, it's nice to meet you, man. All right, Caleb. How you Likewise, doing, man? guys, I've been I've been following you guys uh, maybe for about a year now since last season. I don't know exactly when I picked up on your guys' channel, but it's been awesome right to see you guys grow as a fellow content creator. So I'm really excited for everything you guys are doing. Hell yeah, we dude. appreciate you, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. You're uh, Eclipse uh, Productions, right? No. No. Who? Uh, what's uh, which? He's I, I, yeah, I do. I do finance related content mostly on Twitter. Okay. So I have about oh, okay. thirty six thousand followers over there. I have a very nice. small YouTube channel, but then I mostly run a newsletter business. That's a whole separate nice. thing. I'm not here to plug my stuff. I'm here to no, no, no. I, shoot I was the shit curious. with you guys. Yeah, I was yeah. curious when you said content creator. I, I'm always like, you know, up for up for stuff like that. So. Man, yeah, all right. So, what uh, what uh, thing are you looking forward to most about the season coming up, man? Dude, I can't wait to see how Chet really meshes with this lineup. I can't wait to see the pick and rolls mm. with 
Shay with Giddy. Um, I mean, dude, even when we saw, you know, Usman and Chet running those pick and rolls together, like that's, that's just sick. insane. You know, you have guys who are 6'6", six, 6'8", six, six, or maybe, I mean, Giddy's 6'9", probably. And then Usman's mm-hmm. a legit 6'10", six, 6'11", six, dishing to a guy who's 7'1", seven, 7'2". Seven, it's like, who's going to be able to compete with our size? I know mm-hmm. we're, you know, small, like from a horizontal standpoint, but we're so lengthy. The wingspan is, is off the hooks. Mm. Like, I think that's just going to be... I think it's going to be epic. I, yeah. I'm excited about the defensive sets that we're going to put out there with Chet there. And then our defense, like you said, the long, lanky arms on defense. You put every single one of our, our perimeter defenders could have seven foot, seven foot two wingspans. You know, yeah. like how like that is going to change how people are, are able to shoot over our guys. I mean, yes, Steph Curry can still take shots like that or Devin Booker, but it's going to be limited to the guys that can shoot over guys like that. And that yeah. to me is the one thing that when when you're saying tall, lanky guys, I get excited about because the defensive prowess that our guys are going to bring is going to be disgusting. Yeah, you think about playing passing lanes, and when teams have to lob passes over long arms, <laughs> then it's like J Dub, Shea, Kaysen. They get out and they run, man. And we play at a fast pace, a phonetic pace almost, but we keep turnovers low. So if we can force teams into a lot of turnovers and get out and run, that's, you know, four or five extra possessions a game easy. It's, it gets exciting. I think one thing on that point too, is like, I don't really think that many players on our team and certainly on, on the whole, this is the case, but like they don't rely on their athleticism. They're just mm. skilled hoopers across mm. the board, super smart, super high IQ. Like, you know, we don't have a Russ who's just going out there and dominating from an athletic standpoint, just blowing by people. We just have crafty, skilled basketball players at every position, depth for days. And I don't think people are prepared for that. They're just going to be just, you know, shocked at how we break them down, both offensively and defensively. I, yeah. Man, such a great point there again, because you're looking at it as as this is that our lineups are, you, you could go straight up guard lineups and put Kenny Hustle at the five. We saw it last yeah. year, you know, like, like this is, I mean, the way that we are going to be able to bring to teams, there's going to, like, how as a opposing coach are you going to be able to, to um, get ready for playing against the Thunder? Like, how are you going to prepare your team to say, okay, you got to match up? Yeah, yeah, but how? I mean, yeah. how, Mark? Like, that, that's what I keep going back to is like, are you yeah. going to send guards out there? Are you going to send big men you out there? To. Are you going? Are you going to? I, it's, you got to give up be, size because you got to be able to handle uh, the team coming off the dribble. If like if Chet's going to put it on the floor and you've got a stiff out there, then you're fucked. If they play off, they're like, well, he's going to put it on the floor, so they drop on him. You can't play Chet with drop coverage. Like that's just not going to work. I know he didn't shoot so well in the Minnesota in the game. League, I want to go back to the Minnesota game. All yeah. right, Shea's getting beat up. Does Shea get beat up like he did with Chet on the floor? Well, does he get beat up like he did with Kenny on the floor? You know mm. what I mean? Like, mm. I don't that's a good know. point. Like, we yeah. needed an enforcer. See? Hell yeah, dude. That's a good point. I think we're going to have just way more spacing next year, too, which is going to help take so much pressure off guys like Shea, you know? Mm. And we're yeah. already, you know, I mean, didn't we lead the league last year in, in uh, paint touches? And I know I know Shea yeah, did, did individually, but as a team, I think we did as well. And, you know, drive and dish. Drive and dish, drive and dish, rinse and repeat. Like, we'll do that four times on one possession. <laughs> you know? It's we'll crazy. We'll do that in four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and if we don't do that, then it's not a good possession. Yeah. Right? right. Like that's our our flow. That's our offense. And that's Coach Dagnall, but that's the guys believing in it. I mean, yeah, Giddy does it. Shea does it. And when your leaders do it, then everybody wants to do it. And that's what excites me most about Chet right now 
is like he puts up these great numbers in summer league, but I didn't see a single play called for him. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like push the ball, you know, do what you do. This is how we're going to play in the NBA too. And he goes out and puts up 24, 25. I'm like, you know, maybe he'll be better than we think because those shots will be open and he'll start knocking down those transition threes. I mean, I just, I've seen him do it enough. I, like, I don't care that he didn't do it in summer league at all. Man, I think that's what makes a great player, Mark, is that a player that can go into a system that doesn't demand the ball and that can impact the game without demanding the ball. And then you start drawing up plays for him. <laughs> then it gets out ugly. I mean, for other teams out there. I mean, and I think with the way that, that we go back to it, like Shea's a phenomenal passer. J-Dub's a phenomenal passer. You know, uh, Josh Giddy, phenomenal passer. So these guys, when they're coming into the lane and we're doing that, that whole one foot in the lane, right? And then we're getting into the system of one foot in the lane, we pass it out, and then all of a sudden you have Isaiah Joe cutting or you have J-Dub cutting. And then the other guys have to fill in. We don't even know what Chet's impact is going to be right now. We, we, can, we can sit here and, and, and say, okay, this means that J-Dub's going to get two extra shots a game because um, Chet's guy's not going to be able to help out. And Shea's going to get two extra shots a game because you know, uh, Shea's guy's not going to, or um, uh, Chet's guy's not going to be able to help out. You know, like, we don't know the true impact of what Chet's going to be able to bring out there. And that's why I get so excited about this is because, like, insert Chet here, and we're a 50-win team. And mm. I think that's the thing about what we're trying to understand about how good this team could be injury-free. You know, yeah. like, look at all of our, the centers last year. Like I said, there was four centers in the top 15 centers, four centers that played above 70 games. That's it. You know, like that's what needs to happen for Chet. You know, you don't need to go above 70 games right now. You don't need to go above, you know, 65 games right now if you don't need to. It's it's develop inside of the system. Develop inside of that. that, that it's, it's the easiest system if you just believe in it. Does it make sense? Like it, yeah. the Oklahoma City Thunder system is perfect as in a cult. <laughs> We're a cult. It's like, this is perfect, guys. If you believe in the system and you do things right, you will get to the top level and you'll be able to intermingle with the top. You know, like, that's what's... And everybody believes it, man. Like, Kaysen, I mean, he's in there, and he believes that he can start. And you're looking at it and saying, hey, you know, you're a rookie, but he still believes he can start. Why? It's because we've talked about that, that belief system in these guys. Yeah. These coaches believe in them. I have for a quick sure. question for you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. Who, who do you think, like, what's our... What's your guys' expectation for our starting lineup at the beginning of the season? Hmm. Like, if you had to put money on it today, like, who's the starting lineup? Shea, Giddy, Chet, J-Dub, and then uh, you got to go Dort, but then I, you say at the beginning of the season, and if you say at the end of the season, I might give a different answer on that one. Right. I, I want to say this, is that I, I don't think it's a coincidence that every single time that we've seen Chet, we've seen J-Will. Every mm. single time that we see those two, we see them together. Interviews, whatever, it doesn't matter. Those two guys are connected at the hip. I think that that is the, the future, um, how quickly we're going to get to Jay, Will, and Chet playing, against, um, playing with each other on the same time at the same court. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, Poku is another player that could take some starting lineup um, minutes too. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's the fifth starting lineup is, is a rotating one, whether it's players taking rest you know, whether it's uh, injury, whether it's um, matchup is better for Jay Will or Poku or uh, J-Dub or I, I think J-Dub's set with his starting position. Right, I me think too. So be say, say that that is a rotating spot, Dave. Like, who would be the guys that you think might rotate into that spot? I, I, there's five of them, man. 
Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. seriously, Jay will, yeah. right? Dort, yeah. Kenny, um, Poku, Poku. Uh, and then you can put Kaysen in there as well. Kaysen, yeah. And that the conversation. So, like to me, there's five guys that really would amplify and and you know really uh, do a great job with the other guys around. And then you throw Wiggins maybe potentially in that second unit, and then you're talking about two really great units. Dude, is there a better player for the backdoor play than Wiggins? Um, in the in the league, I I, I don't know of a, a player that's better at cutting backdoor than Wiggins. Kenny's pretty great. Yeah. I like what he does too. But yeah, yeah. They, they built off of each other. Um, you know, that rookie year for Giddy, you saw that chemistry start really picking up. So so for me, I'm looking at and I'm saying if. Aaron Wiggins does what he did last year in that back door, right? What are we talking, man? Are we talking that Wiggins is going to be a top 10 player in this, the, the Thunder? I, I only bring Wiggins up because you brought him up, and I, and I think a lot of people forget about Wiggins. You know, like they, they automatically want to go and think about Ty Ty or, you know, um, a different player. But to me, Wiggins is a, a huge glue piece because when he goes back door, think about how many games we won in the fourth quarter because he started going back door. Man, I loved him. When, the more minutes he got, the better he played for sure. So, so I know what you mean, dude. He he just reminds know. me of like a, a, a Kenny Williams light, you know, like he you know cut from the same cloth. You guys have talked about that before, you know, like these glue energy guys willing to do anything that it takes to win. The hustle plays. He's just in a smaller frame, um, but you know perhaps a little bit more athletic. So it's like if we're playing small ball lineups, you know, he won't be able to slide in at the four, um, but he could be there at the two or the three. You know, so. You're right, man. Damn, man. It's nice. It's I love nice it, thinking dude. about it, dude. I love your perspective, man. I, I, I definitely <laughs> Thanks, appreciate it. And I, I, I'm hoping that you um, continue to join us. The, the call-in information will stay the same, so, like, link that. Or, yeah, man. This is this is fun, man. This is definitely great and to get to know. During um, games, we want to be able to do this um, yeah. during the season and stuff like that because it's, you know, you know how it is. I'm sure you don't live in a place that you can be around Oklahoma City Thunder fans a lot. Dude, you want to know where I? You know, you want to know where I'm living right now? Where you're living? Yeah, for sure. I'm current. I've been living in Istanbul for the last two months. Oh, oh really? That is amazing, man. <laughs> that is. How's yeah, that going? I, dude, it's been uh, it's been a great experience. Um, it's probably like the most culture shock that I've experienced being in a new place. Sure. I haven't done like too much international travel, but I started doing the whole kind of digital nomad thing back in March of this year. Wow. So I started out in Croatia, spent two months there. I did one month in Budapest, and now I've been here for about two months, and I'm actually wow. leaving for Bucharest, Romania on Monday. So whole new change of scenery, and uh, that, that'll be fun. But it makes it impossible to watch the games live. You know, It's such a sure. pain in the ass. But um, Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Dude, that, that that's pretty cool. I, I can't even imagine. Like I, I tell my wife all the time, you know, we have plans of traveling a lot more when we are in that retiring stage. Um, but you know, to have a young experience of traveling would be p- pretty phenomenal. So enjoy, man. Thank you guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. And, uh, definitely appreciate I'm going to be you. calling in more, man. I, I turned on Hell like yeah. my post notifications that I won't miss this. And I pulled up my Perfect. email and I saw it come through. I was like, dude, I got to hop on with these guys. So, Hell yeah, dude. um, we appreciate it, everything you guys are doing. So thank you, Thanks, man. man, for All sure. Right, of course. And then stay around after you leave here and, uh, to the thing, make sure it gets uploaded so that we can, uh, um, make sure we hear you on the podcast back. So for sure. Happy Friday, guys. Take care. Hey, you too, man. Thank you. So what is up, Jared? All right. Glad that you're with us, man. OSU, Trey Deuce, Mikhail. Definitely appreciate you guys. Charles, what's up, man? Man, Kind of lost track of the chat there a little bit. But that's, man, this is is awesome. We got people calling in and 
It's been a lot of fun, Dave. It's it's man, it's great to be able to meet some of these guys. Like Caleb, you know, I, I've seen his comments for a while. I, I was hoping he would share his like um, content um, stuff with us. Um, I'll get Al-Sambra. that uh, right there. Alsambra, he's a, nice he's to meet a you, um, buddy. musician, guys. Uh, if you have an opportunity to look at his stuff, look at his stuff. So again, um, and then also Unk, man, uh, appreciate every single one of you guys. Um, we really enjoy being able to talk to you guys and communicating, and also meeting you. So. Uh, yeah. this is, this is, this isn't going to stop. So we, yeah, it's a dream come true to, to get to hang out with other Thunder fans across the world. And now Istanbul, our newest it's amazing, country to, to hang out with somebody from. So we appreciate yeah. you, Caleb, Alsambra, Unk, and everybody else listening. We will see you guys next time. Peace. It says it's stopping, but...